Okay. How are you, babe? Oh, geez, I'm already breaking things. <laughs> I am just a little bit nervous here. Um, this is not my thing. This is his thing. Um, but um, I just wanted to share a little bit about our son, Jericho, which he's our youngest. Um, and we had an accident that happened about a month ago. So I just wanted to share um, a little bit about how God worked in a not good situation and brought and wove goodness through the whole situation. Um, so I'm going to go back a little bit. I'm, trying not to, I'm going to try not to make this too long. I apologize if I start bumbling over my words. But um, about a month ago in church, we sang that last song, um, You Are Good, you know, King of My Heart. You are good, you are good. And I came up here after the song, which I never, ever, ever do. I'm up here now twice in a month, and I never, ever come up. Um, but I shared because the people I could hear singing the loudest at that song were the ones who were um, going through trials that I couldn't even imagine. And I heard those voices the loudest, and it just struck me that these people, you know, they, they're singing, you are good, you are good, even though it doesn't look very good. And so that week I just played that song over and over, which is why we did it this morning. I requested it. Um, over and over and over, you are good, you are good. I said, God, what does it mean? What does your goodness mean? What does that really mean? I know it's a fruit of the Spirit, and I, I want to know what it means. And when you pray like that to God, you have to be ready. <laughs> because I was not ready. Um, that Friday after that had happened, it's Sunday, we were at a friend's house, and um, oddly enough, they had asked my husband if he wanted a cup of hot tea. And it's the middle of the summer, and he said, yeah, I'll have a cup of tea. He's a tea guy. And um, he has. <laughs> so he, they had a little um, stand that they put, um, he put a cup of tea on. And our little son, who's just beginning to walk, was kind of playing in front of us, and both of us were right near him. I mean, right near him. And anybody who has little kids know that it only takes a second for anything to happen. And that's what happened. He grabbed the tea off the thing, and it spilled all over his body his neck, his, his chest, his, all the way around his arm, and he was just screaming, screaming. And so we run, put him in the water, cold water, and we just, for 30 minutes, just ran the water, um, calling the doctor, asking what we should do. They said, you need to go to the emergency room. And um, so in the midst of this, we're getting ready to go to the emergency room. We're at a friend's house. You know, of course, they feel awful because... You know, it, it wasn't anybody's fault. I mean, we could, we could place blame, in, in, but that's not what it's about. The fact is that it happened, and we need to move on. And so she grabbed me, and, she, and I've, I've only known her about six months, and she just grabbed me and started praying for me. And that meant so much for me because so many times, so often, we say, oh, you know what, I'll be praying for you. Um, I'll be praying for this. I'll be praying for that. Just take a moment and step out and say, can I pray for you now? Um, and, and she did that, and it was just very impactful um, that she was able to do that. And so, I'm just going to look at my notes here. Um, so we end up going on our way to the hospital. We went to Yale, and they got us in pretty quickly. You know, I'm holding the babies wrapped in wet towels, and they get us in, and we're walking in, and I'm following the nurse, and we go into this room that says, Major Incident. And I'm thinking, oh, no. This is way worse than I thought. Maybe it's not, you know, maybe it wasn't just the, I mean, it looks bad, but I, I didn't think it was a major incident bad. 
And thankfully, the nurse said, I'm sorry, we don't have any more rooms. And it calmed me down a little bit. But um, So we get into the room, and they give him some medicine. They start to evaluate the burn. And, and they say, you know, I don't think we can really um, handle this here. You're going to need to probably go to the burn center down at Bridgeport Hospital. And um, so they took the pictures, sent him off. And yep, we had to go. Um, are we having pictures? There he is. <laughs> There's my little guy. Um, but before we got um, transported, we, we got put into a regular room. We were now out of the major incident room into a regular room. And um, we hear a knock on the door, and in walks DCF. And if you know, if it's any type of major trauma involving little kids, that they're going to come in and evaluate what happened and for the safety of the child. And she went through the list of questions that she had to ask. And at the end, she said, you know, this was an accident. You know, this wasn't anybody's fault. Nobody did this on purpose. And for the first time, I looked at this bad incident, and I, I looked back and said, I didn't even blame. That's so different for me, because growing up, like, it was always blaming. There's always blaming going on. And in that moment, I looked back and I said, I didn't even blame. I, it didn't even cross my mind to start the blame game. And that was just a moment of goodness that God showed me, look, we're, we're moving along. You're, we're getting better at this life thing. You know, you're learning. And I, I didn't really totally realize that until a few weeks after, and I could settle my mind and realize what happened, but I, I hadn't played that blame game, and that was so huge. Um, so we end up getting transported to the, hospital, to the, to the burn center, and um, that night, we ended up going um, going and getting checked in with the trauma team, and they were evaluating the burn. And um, he was doing remarkably well for second-degree burns. I don't know about you, but, like, if I burn my finger on, like, my hot iron, it, like, burns for days. This kid has, I mean, bubbles covered all over his chest, all over his arm. And he's, like... He had a little morphine, but he was pretty happy. I mean, the morphine doesn't last for very long. He was pretty happy. So we were thankful for that. There he is in the, in the crib, all bandaged up. Um, so we had got a chance to pray over him that night and just praying for that his wounds would heal and that the pain would be um, taken away. And um, the next morning we woke up, and we were pretty exhausted, and the baby was exhausted. So he went down for a nap the next morning, pretty quickly. And as he was napping, my husband took a nap, and I'm, lay, I'm the only one laying there wide awake, can't sleep, I'm tired. Um, but the thought occurs to me, you know, if I want to really see God's goodness in this and not be so overwhelmed with the bad thing that happened, I need to talk to him, and I need to start communicating with him. So I put on that worship song again, and I just stood over him and put my hand on him and put my other hand in the hair and I, and I hand in the air, and I just said, you are good. And I started singing that song, you are good, you are good. And it was just so powerful in that moment, because it wasn't really a good situation. And um, I just, um, the nurse came in, I'm like, hi. <laughs> but no, um, in that moment when I'm singing the words, the Lord showed me, um, he just gave me, put a picture in my, in my head that was the skin here I am seeing my son's skin, you know, burned off. And I felt God saying, look, sometimes I need to peel back layers of your skin to work in areas that I need to work. 
whether it be shame, whether it be fear, whether it be control. Sometimes he just needs to pull back layers and, and get to like the heart of what's going on with us. And it was kind of cool to see that he then you know, is, is healing the skin. And I looked up a couple facts about skin. Skin is obviously the biggest organ in our body, but protects our bones, our insides, our bloods. It's pretty important. It renews itself every 28 days. You know, God made us like this. He, he made that new skin to regenerate. Um, it regulates our body temperature. So many cool things as I started looking things up to see if I, ha- I could get anything else out of it. But um, just the biggest thing was that God had to sometimes peel back our skin and open up wounds to heal different areas of us. Um, so uh, a few. So we were in the hospital for a couple nights. Um, and finally we get to go home. Yay! And there he is, there he is at home. And, uh, we get to go home, and, and that night I, um, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm like, we survived. I, I'm, I feel like God's teaching me stuff, and I'm glad to be home. And, um, that night I get home, and I get an email. Um, and it's from a lady I don't really know that well. She, um, runs a homeschool group. I'm homeschooling my son, so she runs a homeschool group, and I'm just starting to join the group. And she, um, I'm going to read you what her email said. Um, she was touching base with a couple, like, loose ends that we had to pick up. But she also said, this is her email, A friend of yours mentioned your young, youngest was burned by hot water. I would encourage you to be diligent in whatever treatment the doctor is having you to do. I have a friend who was burned the same way as a toddler. Her aunt lived with her family because she was mentally retarded, and it it happened from her aunt's hot tea. As an adult, she has stretched scars on her neck and chest. They stretched as she grew. The treatment is probably better now, 35 years later, but it's worth making sure you take care of it now to heal. And I know at first glance that email may not seem um, upsetting. It may seem uh, thoughtful or... But to me, this, this, like, broke my heart. I saw this as someone who basically thought I wasn't going to do the best for my child, that was basically, basically questioning um, my ability to mother and take care of my child. And I, I was pretty um, angry and bitter, and here I am thinking, you know, God, you just brought me through this, and what is this? This person who barely knows me um, questioning and, and really, if she knew who I was four years ago, you know that I struggle with fear big time. And um, just it would have impacted me big time that the, thank you, um, that there would have been scars all over her body and just hearing this story. I would have probably been lost in that. But I am, I'm, I'm here to tell you that it didn't bother me. It really did not bother me um, because God has really changed and worked on that area in my life. <laughs> Needless to say, I was still angry and bitter about the email. And I, and I, know, um, I know she didn't mean it to come from a place that, uh, to come from a place that was being hurtful or anything like that. Um, but it came across that way to me. And at first, I, I started typing my email and I responded to the rest the first part of the email, and then I was like, I'm not even going to answer the second part about the burn, because I was just so angry. And I just sat there, and I prayed in front of the computer and started crying, and 
just heard God's voice say to me, listen, what did I just show you? What did I just show you my goodness? You need to take what I just did and tell this woman what happened. So I'm going to read you the email I wrote, which I can't really take credit for because that, that, that was just for my time in praying with God. This is what I wrote. Yes, my son got burned by some hot tea while we were at a friend's house last Friday. We spent the weekend at the burn unit of Bridgeport Hospital. We're so blessed to have such good health care where we live and a burn center so close. We are also blessed to have such a great support team in our friends, family, and church family. It's amazing what the power of prayer will do. The whole experience was a, was a great display of how good God really is in the midst of a not-so-good situation. This experience bonded my heart with the Lord in such a unique way. He revealed even more of himself to me and how this experience will be used for his glory. My son is doing well. In fact, you wouldn't even know he was burned because of how happy he has been. It really is unbelievable. Even the doctors are in awe of his behavior, which was once again attested to the power of prayer. And um, I never received an email back, but that's okay. I feel like God said what I, he wanted me to say. And um, after going through all of this, that kind of sums up all these little parts that happened. After going through all of this, um, I looked up the definition in the dictionary of what good meant. One of the definitions I found, the best part of anything. And I just felt like that. The best. It was the best. There are so many little best parts of this whole process. Just him changing who I am, how I react. Um, That was the best part. And I just wanted to leave you with a verse that says, Taste and see the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. And the funny part about this is, I think, taste... Um, for me, I don't like to taste a lot of stuff. I'm very I'm bland palate. I like my very, very picky. Um, so for me, tasting something new is actually going outside my comfort zone, believe it or not. And um, to me, this verse kind of said, like, we have to sometimes seek after God. We have to taste it. We have to have an action on our part um, to seek him out and his goodness out because he will show it to you. So that's all I wanted to say. Um, I'm not going to be doing the, the, the message today, Justin.
All right. Wow, that was incredible. I'm really, really encouraged right now. Uh, I think testimonies are some of the most powerful things, if not the most powerful thing. In Revelation, it says, by the, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, uh, the enemy is defeated. And so, who in here is encouraged right now from what we have heard this morning? Yeah. Let's give Jesus just a, let's give Jesus a round of applause because he's so good. Thank you, Jesus. So, and honestly, where's Julie? She left? She's an incredible speaker. I mean, she is definitely gifted in that area. Uh, And it's so funny because most of the time, what we are afraid of, God is actually calling us to do. And uh, so, be aware of the things that you are afraid to do. Because I guarantee if you press in enough, God's going to be like, yeah, why don't you go ahead and do that? Uh, God is awesome in that way. Because the whole point is being stretched. The whole point is to become more like Jesus. The, The whole point is to be more confident to press into the Lord and become who it is that he has created us to be, not us be who we want to be. And so, yeah, thank you, God, for that. Julie, I just, I just said that the Lord has blessed you with the gift of speaking, and so I encourage you to press in. <laughs> yeah, so I just want to pray just really quickly. Yeah, Jesus, I just get, thank you for this morning, Lord. Thank you for uh, testimonies of how it is that you're moving in each and every one of our lives, Lord. I think it's incredible to know the reality of that this is, Not let's come here uh, and hear a message and then go on with our daily life, but recognize that this is about a relationship. This is about the living God who created all things and who has created man in his image uh, to move in our lives, to show us where, where it is that we struggle so that we can be strengthened, so that we can be renewed, so that we can be restored and redeemed in all areas. So God, I just ask this morning that you would move in a powerful way. Lord, I'm just, just a man here with a message, and I just ask that you would speak Holy Spirit. That we have come here this morning to encounter the living God, to encounter the Spirit of God. And so, Lord, I just ask that you would soften our hearts, that you would break us, and that you would heal us and uh, make us new, Lord. We love you. We give you praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So this is funny because the whole week I've been preparing. I'm like, oh, this is going to be awesome. I'm going through the whole uh, chapter. I'm like, I need to hit on all of it. Like. So I'm teaching, I'm going to be teaching the Bible inductively, so I'm going to be going through verse by verse by verse in England. Looking at it like, I want to do that right now, but I felt like God was like, prepare, go for it. So I prepared, I met up with Jared yesterday, and we sat down, and we're talking about a couple things, and I'm like, oh, I got to change it all. <laughs> so <laughs> I spent five days preparing, and then on the sixth day, I'm like, I got to change it all. So I spent a couple hours yesterday, about four four hours changing it all. And then my friend comes over and I go over like my entire sermon and I'm like, I don't know, I don't feel, I don't feel like peace about this. Uh, and I'm like, you know what, I'm done. This is what I'm doing. And so I wake up a couple, couple times throughout the night and I'm just like, there's anxiousness in my heart. There's a little bit of fear. Um, and, I, and, I, and I'm going back to sleep. I wake up this morning and as soon as I wake up, I put on some worship music. And I, I just hear God speak to my soul. And he goes, I'm really, really proud of you for being diligent. But I'm going to go ahead and change it all up. <laughs> I'm like, all right, God, listen. <laughs> like, I got something to say you do now. <laughs> He's like, I'm like, this is awesome. And so I just really felt encouraged by the Holy Spirit this morning saying, you know, let me speak. You know, let me speak. And so I said, yes, sir. <laughs> if nobody, if, never, if you guys don't know me, I was in the Marine Corps, and I just, I love to take orders because I don't have to think about it. And so, <laughs> I'm not trying to make too many decisions, so I said, yes, sir. 
So as I was eating breakfast this morning, I just felt like God was stirring different things. I'm eating breakfast, and I'm trying to write things down, and I'm like, this is becoming complicated. But the word that I got was unity. Unity and identity. And so this morning, we're going to just read verses 1 through 5. Now, last week, you guys were doing uh, David and Goliath, and so you guys should know where we're at. Now, this is uh, David and Jonathan's friendship that we're going to be focusing on here just for a minute. Uh, and so it, this is the ESV. You guys have a different uh, version, but it's okay. And so it goes, As soon as he had finished speaking, this is David, as soon as David was finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David in his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him so that Saul set him over the men of war. And this was good in the sight of all the people and all the sight of Saul's servant. So as I was meditating on this, I'm like, wow, this is incredible. If... You guys know Jonathan is the son of Saul, and Saul at this point in time is a king. So basically what Jonathan is doing is like, I know like, you're going to be the next king. I may not know that right now because it has not happened yet, but I'm giving you everything. And I'm committing my life to you. I'm committing my life to you in a way that is going to uh, serve you. It's going to help you. It's going to walk with you, encourage you. These different things. This is remarkable because Jonathan is probably going to be the next one to be the king. But as we see, like a few chapters before, Saul, the king, disobeys God. And God is like, you're, not, you're done. So he takes the anointing from him, and he gives it to David. David, at this point, is just a young boy, and we see his faith, and it's powerful, because he has encountered God in an everyday lifestyle. And so we see him with the lion, uh, and with the bears, and he's over here uh, getting victory in all areas of, of his life, not even understanding what that is going to lead to. And so, as I said before, I just wanted to talk about unity. We see here, back up a little bit, just my lifestyle. I was in the Marines, and I feel like at a young age, I was 17, and then I just turned 18, went into the Marine Corps, and I think it was the best thing for me, and I was, like, praying about this, and I felt like God was like, be you. Like, speak about, like, what I've done in your life. Speak about, like, the power of unity. And so I was, okay. So the Marine Corps is set up as an organization to fight. You know, to go to war, to bring peace, to do these different things, to fight evil. And it has a great reputation because they're pretty ruthless, pretty intense, but it's founded on principles. It's founded on a vision. It's founded on freedom. And so if you talk about, yeah, the United States Marines, everybody knows the United States Marines. They might not know a lot about them, but they know about them because they have been recognized. One of the biggest things that I've realized when I was in the Marines is that the organization as a whole is unified. They are unified in all areas. You have different units, you have different battalions, you have different vision, different goals, but they're unified as one and they want to fight together. So when I was in Afghanistan, when I was in Iraq, uh, we'd bounce around the country and we'd meet up with different Marines, they're doing different missions, and we would be there to support them and we'd be there to encourage them to champion them. We got these guys running in just head first, getting killed. We were, we were with a group of guys, and 25 of them killed in about two months. And they were dealing with a lot of death, but we were right there behind them. We're like, we're not going to stop. And they never stopped, and they went until they received the victory. 
And so when I read this passage here, I'm like, okay, wow. Like, this was a personal choice that Jonathan had made when he saw, when he saw the call of God uh, on David's life. David sees, or saw, uh, Jonathan sees David in how he has just won this victory with Goliath. David's just a young boy, and he's like, I'm going to go take care of this guy because he's going right against God, my God, and I'm not going to deal with that. And I've seen God uh, bring me into victory. And so, Saul, and so Jonathan is all about that, and he's like, I want to like, be part of something bigger. This is not about me. This is not about me being the king next. This is about victory. This is about freedom. This is about following the Lord. So I was thinking about this. I'm like, okay, great. Where do we go from here? And I felt like the Lord just led me to, uh, to the book of Ephesians. So if you guys want to open up to Ephesians, we can do that really quickly. So in chapter 4, Paul is talking to the church in Ephesus. And I'm just going to read this. It's chapter 4, 1 through 16. Also, what I want to just say right now, is start to just let your heart be exposed. Start to just listen, because one of the most important things that I've learned in the last couple of years in missions is that I'm going to these different places in the world where I have to have translators. So I'm like, I can't be like talking to these people about a lot of different things. I have to just be very straightforward, speak the word of God, and trust that it's going to work. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to preach the word of God. And so I would just really just specifically speak what is in here, the text, and see people come to the Lord. I'm like, wow, I don't have to convince them. Like, there's power in the name of Jesus, and there's power in his word. And so I just want to read this, and I want you guys to listen and follow along. It says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, he, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, who does it mean but that... He had also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the, me- to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from the whole, uh, from whom the whole body joined and, t- and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Thank you, Jesus, for these words. Um, this is great news. 
This is great news because each and every person that is sitting in here right now that knows Jesus Christ has a specific purpose for their life. You know, I dealt over the last year uh, in YWAM, there's a very lot of like really well-recognized people like Todd White, Francis Chan. These guys come and they speak uh, to all of YWAM. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, I want to be like these guys. You know, like I want to be up there, not recognizing that it's a pride issue in my heart, that it's like I want to be up in front of people. And God, like, pointed to me. And he's like, listen, you need to stop trying to be like everybody else. You've got to stop trying to be like those guys that you uh, admire and start worrying about being like me. <laughs> start being like me. Like, start following Jesus with your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. And I was on a run. And this was one of the last runs that I was doing when I was in Hawaii. I was running a lot of long distance because I needed to get out there and spend time with God. And so I'm running, and I felt like the Lord speaks so clear, clearly, and it was awesome. And I'm like, I'm running, and then I feel like God's like, if you want to chase anybody, I want you to chase me. I was like, wow, I never thought about that like that. Like, <laughs> I'm running right now as fast as I can uh, to get the best time that I can. And he's like, chase me. Keep your eyes on me at all times. And the second part was I'm competitive in nature, and I think most of us are, you know. And I felt like God was like, if you want to compete with anybody, compete with me. Because at the end of the day, if you compete with me, you're going to look more like me. (laughs) You're going to love more like me. You're going to care more like me. You're going to give more like me. You're going to be more gentle like me. All these different things. And in that time, in that place, it made so much sense. I was like, wow, I see these men of God that I admire a lot. And I'm like, they're walking in integrity in their lives. They're walking with love, with peace, with joy, and the fruit of the Spirit. Not recognizing that they're actually walking in what God has called them to walk in. They're following Jesus with their whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. And so when I came here this morning and over praying, I just felt like unity. Unity in our individual walk with the Lord. But we can't do this on our own because God has created it in a way in which we are supposed to be part of a body, right? Each and every person here today has a specific call in their life, and only you are going to be able to figure that one out. And you can only figure that one out when you chase the Lord and when you compete with him. And this is not like a competition type of thing. It's more of less of like, what do you say? You say to love? I want to love. And that comes from a relationship with the Lord. In competitiveness, these different things are, are it's our nature. It's our human nature. Uh, it's our sinful nature. And it's not always bad. And so we have to find out how to make it good. And that's like, let's chase the Lord. Let's chase Jesus with all our heart, mind, soul, strength. And the greatest thing is that Jesus is like, oh, the two greatest commandments are love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as you love yourself. If we can continue to focus on those two things, we are going to be okay. But what I wanted to specifically talk about this morning is the unity of church. When I think about the Marine Corps, I'm like, I love the Marine Corps because of what it is that they do, their vision. They want to just attack evil on every, each, on every end that they can. They're like, we got to get in this. we got to get out there. And there's going to be bloodshed. There's going to be bloodshed. There's going to be loss of life. But the mission is much greater. And so when I think about the church, I love it because God's like, i got a mission, and it's way greater than you. And the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Jesus was the first to die. And from that point, we have just seen it blow up. All of the apostles except for John were martyred. And I'm not saying, like, let's go out there and get martyred. Like, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that this is about something bigger than us. This is about God defeating all evil on earth. 
You know, if we turn on the news and we're like, oh, I want to see what's going on, boom, it's going to be chaos. And you're going to be discouraged. You're going to be like, this really stinks. But do you sit in that discouragement or do you go right back to Jesus and you're like, what's the mission? The mission is that at the end of the day, when everything is said and done, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord. And there's going to be a completely new earth, new life, new heaven. And it's going to be unified in love. And so specifically, what I want to do is encourage everybody here that we all have a specific call in our life. Not everybody is called to come up here and teach. Some people are called to serve radically. Not rec- <laughs> the beautiful thing is, is that people are like, I want to teach, I want to preach, I want to do these things. But Jesus did not come to be served. He came to serve. He's on the ground and he's washing his brother's feet. You know what I mean? He's doing these different things. He's serving the community. He's feeding them. He's healing the sick. He's going out there. He sees somebody stumbling. He sees somebody blind. He takes mud, puts it on their face. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't recommend that. Unless God is telling you to. Um, washes it, is blind. That is restoration. That's wholeness being brought into the earth. So, Holy Spirit, where are we going from here? God. <laughs> All right, where are we going? John. Book of John. I want to encourage you guys. I really do because walking with God is awesome. Seriously. I planned this whole thing and then he turned it upside down and now I got up here and I've been speaking because the Spirit has been leading me. We get to have communion with the Spirit of God at all times because he dwells in us, those who receive him. It's phenomenal. It's great. (laughs) It's honestly like a roller coaster. It's exciting. All right. So John, let's go to John. Where are we at here? 15. I'm going to read a few verses here. I am the true vine. This is Jesus. He says, I am the true vine, and the Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. And that, that, it, may be, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to my disciples, and, and So prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. And if you abide by, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So as we read this, the heart heart of God is that we all bear fruit. That is what he wants. He wants us to prosper. He wants us to be alive. He wants us to be full. And he wants everybody around us to be impacted because they're going to recognize that we are walking with God. And so again, I come back to that reality of that we all have a specific call in our life. God has called you, created you to do something specific, and it's amazing. And it's to forward the body of Christ. 
Now I'm going to tie this back into the unity. As we know and recognize that God has called us all specifically to do something specifically, he wants us to be unified in a body. So we go to Jesus and we look at him and he talks about laying down our lives, right? This is not about what I want. This is not about who it is that I am to become, but this is about championing one another so that we may all become what it is that Christ has called us to be. And so as we sit here today, I want to take a few minutes. Um, church today is going to look different. God's good. <laughs> uh, I want to just take a couple minutes and just all of us sit in prayer. Think, ask God, thank God. Thank God for the opportunity that you are here today, uh, that you have the ability to be with the church, the body of Christ, and recognizing that he's called you. And if you have given your life to the Lord, you're going to live for eternity. I think most of us don't recognize the importance and the absolute mind-blowing reality that consists of. So I want us all to just take a minute, thank God. It could be in your heart, it could be in your mind, it could be out loud, it doesn't matter. When it comes to fear, when it comes to anxiety, these different things, I don't want to pray out loud because people are going to hear me. This is about you and Jesus Christ alone. And we are called to build each other up. When I was in the Marines, I have a tattoo on the inside of my arm. And it's not the best tattoo, but it is what it is. There was about five of us that all got together. It says, he who sheds blood with me shall forever be my brother. We recognize that we couldn't do it alone. If I, were to run out to, if I was to run out into the field by myself thinking that I was about to take care of this war on my own, it wouldn't have ended well. So we ended up coming together and being like, listen, I love you to death. I care about you more than anything. And at the end of the day, I want you to go back to your family. I want you to run in victory. And I know that you're not going to be able to do it on your own. So I commit my life. I surrender my own selfishness, what it is that I want, to making sure that you make it home. And we all did that. We were all like, this is it. This is about unity. And so I think about the body of Christ. And I'm like, are we doing that? Do we lay our lives down? Jesus says there's no greater love than to lay your life down for your brother. Do we lay our lives down for our brothers and sisters in the church here specifically today? You know, it's really easy to, like, get into confrontation. It's really easy to get aggravated. But do we lay our life down to say, like, I want to see you be the best that you can possibly be. I want to see you walk in the fullness of who God has called you to be. We get, like, this a mix up here. In the Marines, it becomes really real because I'm running down the street and I can get shot in the face. You know, that's the reality. But if we take this into the context in which Scripture is talking about, we're talking about life and death here. I can do the same thing. I can run down the street here and stumble and blow it all. You know? And that is the reality. So we're called to fight with one another. So let's just take a couple minutes here and just pray. Ask God to reveal to us who it is that we are and areas in our life in which we should maybe lay down so that we can challenge and, and build up and fight with one another. Thank you, God, for this opportunity, Lord. Nobody came here today to hear you speak, but they came to encounter you. They came, and I know the Holy Spirit, you speak so clearly, Lord. So, God, I just ask right now that you would speak to our hearts and our minds. You would highlight something specific that we may lay down in order to build that unity in the body of Christ. Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity to come here together as a community, Lord. A community which you are working in so profoundly. It's amazing. God, I just ask for more. Holy Spirit, we ask for more. I want to read something to you guys just really quickly, and then I want to do something different. I want to give us a few minutes to do something different. And this is going to be challenging, but it's awesome. And I've done a lot, and I've only seen fruit come from it. This is what I have done, and this is what I do. I'm going to be vulnerable with you guys for a minute and be transparent. But I wrote something as I dive into the Scripture daily, and I, I feel like the Lord was like, write down who you are. <laughs> you need to write down who you are and who it is that I said that you are. So I wrote this down, and I'm going to read it to you guys so um, you can have an idea of what this would look like. And I encourage everyone in here to do this to dive in, to take an hour of your time and be like, God, speak to me. Tell me who it is that I am and, and show me in Scripture who, it, who I'm supposed to be. And I'm going to write it down and then repeat it every day. Speak about it every morning so that I may be able to step into that reality. I am a child of God. I have been redeemed and made righteous through the blood of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I am a part of a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that I may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called me out of the darkness and into the marvelous light. I choose to present my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is my spiritual worship. I will, be, I will not be conformed to this world, but I submit my life to being transformed by the renewing of my mind so that I am able to discern the will of God, being what is good and acceptable and perfect I will let love be genuine. I will hate what is evil, and I will hold fast to what is good. I will love others with affection, and I will outdo others in showing honor. I will embrace zeal and passion. I will be fervent in spirit, and I will serve the Lord. I will rejoice in hope. I will be patient in suffering, and I will persevere in prayer. I will bless and pray for those who persecute and or disagree with me, and I will rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. I will overcome evil with good, and I will think and meditate on those in which are true, honorable, just, pure, pleasing, commendable, things of excellence and worthy of praise. I will be holy because my God is holy. I will seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, acknowledging and believing that I will be filled. I declare that when I come to you in prayer, I will be filled with faith, believing that what I ask I will receive. I choose to abide in you, and I will allow your words to abide in me, and that I will pray according to your scripture, believing by faith that whatever I ask, it will be done for me. I proclaim boldness over my words, and I will ask according to your will, believing that you hear me, knowing that my requests will reach you. You are a father who gives good gifts, and I am a son that cries out, Abba, Father, I need you, I want you, and I love you. I will be strong and courageous. I will not be frightened or dismayed because I know that my Lord and God is with me wherever I go. I will not let my Bible depart out of my mouth. And I, will, I will not let my Bible depart out of my mouth, and I will meditate on it day and night, being careful to act in accordance with all that, it is, that is written in it, believing that you will make my way prosperous and successful in whatever way that looks for my life. I choose to set my heart to study your word and to do it and to teach it to, to your people. Above all, I commit my life in the ways to love first, and I will eagerly, eagerly seek out the gifts of your spirit, especially prophecy, with the intention of building up the church and, re, and revealing your true nature to those who do not know you. I will choose to be still and continuously remind myself that you are my God, and you are in charge, and I will obey. 
I know that you love me. I know that you died for me. And I know that you are for me. You have called me to walk in humility and I choose to humble myself. You have called me to walk out what you have spoken to be bold, to scream from the mountaintops of your good news, to worship you with all my heart and to walk in confidence, paving the way for those who choose to follow. I will declare your victory and sacrifice from a place of poor in spirit with desperation of more of you. I choose to pick up my cross and follow you. And I know that in my weaknesses, you are strong. In my faults, you are perfect. You are the beginning and the end. You are the alpha and the omega, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Have your way, O oh God. You, are, you have called me to worship you in spirit and truth and to walk in power. And that I will do in Jesus' name. Amen. And so as we come together today, let's just be, rec- let's be mindful of the reality of this is an army for the Lord. And so I would just want to take, actually, I'm not going to play any music. I was going to do it before, but you got something? All right, so let's do this. So what we'll do, because it's already kind of late, um, and if people want to file out, don't feel guilty on filing out, but let's, let's at least close the prayer together. You want to still hang out? He's going to play some music in here.